Hi, everyone. Chodesh Tov. Thank you all for coming out. Thank you to Rachel and Ivri Amar for hosting us today at Velvet Box. Hopefully, everyone is having a nice summer. And Be'ezrat Hashem, hopefully everyone is doing okay since the three weeks started. Thank God for flight cancellation, lanternfly infestations here in New Jersey. Um, when Rabbi Nachman talks about take a little bit of suffering so you don't suffer a lot, like this is the type of thing he's talking about, right? So we say thank you, Hashem, for the tiny inconveniences because in the scheme of things, you know, obviously they're tiny. And Bezrat Hashem, may we only deal with teeny tiny inconveniences, especially during these nine days, um, which uh, ultimately these little tiny inconveniences, um, God willing, turn into a cleanse. Okay, this class is dedicated for the Rafur Shleimah of Raphael Chaim Meir Ben Simachasha, Rafur Shleimah of Shandali Yehudis Basvor Itta, Leilu Nishmat Zilba Bat Aron, Leilu Nishmat Golda Peral, Bat Yaakov HaKohen. This class is based on the following books. Number one, month of Tammuz, uh, the months of Tammuz in Av by Rav Dilber Pinson. Um, obviously, using the material uh, pertaining to the month of Av. If you listen to the last class, obviously the material I used was uh, in material uh, pertaining to the month of Tammuz. Anatomy of the Soul by Rabbi uh, Chaim Kramer. Amazing, amazing book. Very, very technical. This is not like a light read. You just pick up and like oh, I'm just going to skim this. No, you have to actually sit and learn um, this book. Um, thank God I probably learned half of this book. Um, and God willing, we'll uh, learn more of it. Um, just something about this book. Um, any Hasidus that I listen to, any Kabbalah that I listen to, that I read in a class, sorry, that I read in a book or I listen to in a class, um, I have a, I always have already seen it in this book, Anatomy of the Soul by Rabbi Chaim Kramer. Um, obviously, it's Torah It's obviously based on Torah. Obviously, obviously. So, um, so that's um, an, a good book over there. Okay, the next book, the class is based on the Journey to Your Ultimate Self by Rabbi Shmuel Reichman. I recommend every single person pick up this book. Why? Because every single week it forces you to read a few pages. Um, you know, pertaining to the Parsha, and um, it has really nice insight and application to our everyday life. And finally, last but not least, um, this, uh, The Neshama, A Study of the Human Soul by Rabbi Aryeh Leibowitz. Amazing, amazing book. I would call this um, book uh, definitely not beginners, more intermediate, advanced. Obviously, anytime you're talking about the soul, um, you know, you're going into deep stuff. Um, but I do recommend everyone get this book. Why? Because um, it's written extremely clearly. So yeah, it might take you a little bit of time to understand the concept, but it's written so clearly um, in language that, you know, God willing, we all understand. Um, so I highly recommend just a little tidbit about this class in general. We will be going a little bit deeper today um, than we normally go. I guess it's the, you know, it's the nine days, the uh, results, the earth site just happened. So we will, we will be using, um, you know, a lot of teachings based on, you know, a results teaching. Um, and in fact, um, in order for me to give this class over, I had to say, I think God had the um, opportunity to sit down with Rabbi Aryeh Leibowitz for like an hour and a half last week. Um, it was so gracious. It was so kind of him to take that time and to essentially teach me some points specifically on the soul um so i can bezrat hashem give it over to you guys in this class 
So thank you to Rabbi Arya Leibowitz, um, not only for um, writing this book, but for teaching me some of the points um, discussed in uh, the uh, Neshama. Okay, so here we are in the nine days, the home stretch of the three weeks when we've been hopefully co- been contemplating, introspecting, reflecting, and looking inwards. In Tammuz, the sense that we were working on was the sense of sight, right? What, whatever, how, what we see and how we interpret what we see. And the sense that we are working on in the month of Av is the sense of hearing, right? What are we hearing? How are we hearing? Who are we hearing? And how deep are we, are we hearing? Are we listening? So essentially, it's the root of interpersonal relationships. So we take these two senses and ask, are we using what we see and hear as building blocks for Ahavat Khinam or God forbid Sinat Khinam, which results, you know, in destruction? God forbid, obviously, that's what happened with the Horban. What's extremely important to note is that our relationship with ourselves and with one another completely dictates the relationship we have with our Creator. We have learned this, of course, in Rabbi Rusha's books before. Real Amuna in Hashem doesn't mean that you're not, you're nothing, right? Quite opposite. You are Tzalem and Elohim, and you should have the Amuna within yourself, and of course, uh, in your Creator, which also means, by the way, that you have the capacity to trust people in order to build relationships. Everything is connected. So during these days, I don't know if anyone's noticed, the energy is a lot heavier you know, everyone experiences these nine days differently for me personally. I mean, you know, my mom passed away um, in the month of Av. So, you know, during this time, it's always like a little bit harder for me, but it's not only me. During these days, there's a sense of unsettlement, nervousness, anxiety, essentially an overarching feeling of separation that we cannot shake. Even if you're not aware of this, there's this like, this like angst within each one of us um, and we could think that it's for whatever reason that's going on, you know, in, you know, in the outside world, but there's obviously a reason, right? When the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, we as a people experienced a real separation from Hashem on a physical and spiritual level. This also marked a clear distinction in history from a time of revealed miracles in connection to Hashem to a time of concealment. So essentially the Korban, uh, separated was like, you know, was a time that separated pre-Horban, uh, separated time from into pre-Horban and post-Horban. So what lesson and purpose do we learn from these two stages, essentially? So Rabbi Reichman brings in the Rizal, Ramchal, the Ramchal and Dilnagon to explain every process contains not two stages, but actually three stages. So what are these stages? First stage, High inspiration and perfect clarity. So from the time of creation till Hanukkah, Purim time, right? Nevoah was strong. The connection and experience of Hashem was undeniable. This was a free gift. We did absolutely nothing to deserve it. So essentially, Hashem created the world. You know, you know, we had the, you know, history. We we went into Mitzrayim. We, Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. Hashem gifted us the Torah. He built us a Beit HaMikdash. Uh, we had Nevoah. We basically had, we had, Access to Hashem on a spiritual level at our fingertips without even realizing what a free gift it was. And then second stage comes and a sudden fall and complete loss of everything that was experienced in the first stage, which was obviously marked by the Chorban, right? When this happened at this point in time already, Nebuah was obviously completely gone. Our holy temple was destroyed, physical, spiritual connection gone, and the Jews and the uh, you know, Israel were exiled to the four corners of the world. 
which now gave way to the third stage. And and this is super, super important. So we had a free gift first stage, second stage, we lost everything in that first stage. And now this third stage is comes to this first this third stage comes to show that the immense loss felt in the second stage created fertile ground for yearning to reconnect to an even higher point than the original first stage in a manner in which we have earned that close connection instead of it being a free gift right and we've learned this before this is an ongoing process with essentially everything in life the fall is always for the sake of the rise, the constriction for the sake of expansion. Practically speaking, if you look at the day, you know, the only way we have a day is if the night happened beforehand. Uh, really practically, if we're talking about, you know, Tinek, you know, thank God, Baruch Hashem, all these beautiful homes in Tinek. Once upon a time, they were once little homes, but people wanted to build, you know, beautiful homes. Thank God, Baruch Hashem, for Shabbos, for Yemim Tovim, to host people. Again, for more functional space. In order to get those beautiful homes, you needed to knock down that small house, right? Even this class. Oh my gosh, if you would have seen the first draft of this class, it's worlds apart from what you're listening to now, right now. So if we're looking in the Torah, where did this phenomena happen for the first time? If you listen to Gedalia Fenster, literally, literally, as I, it's so funny. I listened to Gedalia's class today. Literally, it's wild how, how, my class is just basically ties right into his class. It's amazing. So again, where do we learn this concept, this phenomena of, uh, phenomena of the, <coughs> excuse me, of the constriction being for the sake of the expansion? So Rav Pinson brings in the Arizal, whose yurt site was, by the way, yesterday, and the and his concept of tzimtzum, constriction, contraction, and withdrawal, which first happened, obviously, during creation, right? So we're going to explain this on a very, very elementary level. Obviously, you know, Hashem is or ain't sof. Hashem is infinite life. There was, is, and always will be only Him. So the question is obvious. So how do all of us exist, right? We have a planet. We have people. We have galaxies. We have a universe. We have existence. How is this even possible? So according to the Arizal, Hashem first desired to create another sentient beings to share, connect, love, you know, to, to love, to share, connect, and love. So he created us for us essentially to crown him, to crown our creator. Again, the very fact that Hashem created us, again, is a reflection of his incredible, incredible chesed, looking back in Tomer, Tomer Devorah, the 13 attributes of Hashem's mercy. Um, so he, in order to create existence he had to contract himself and he had to withdraw he had to withdraw his infinite life in order to create a vacated space in order for creation to take place within that vacated space he created a straight thin line of light beams straight thin uh, the straight thin ray of light beams called kav right and obviously this kav was connected to the infinite uh the infinite um light now the question here is, um, anyone listening, because I have a diagram over here, so people can easily see what I'm talking about. If you Google Arizal Tsimtsum vacated space, and hopefully you come up with the right search, you will see exactly what I'm talking about. It's basically a circle with a radius going from the top to the middle, right? So the circle is the halal, right? That's the vacated space. 
the Kav is the radius. And the reason why um, Hashem created the, obviously the Kav in order, the Kav needs to be there. The line going into the center of creation needs to be there because if it wasn't there, creation cannot exist. Hashem has to power us. We, the very fact that we're speaking, the very fact that you're listening to this class, the very fact that we're going about drinking our coffee, whatever, we are, we are Hashem powered. Every single creation is Hashem powered. And obviously, you know, when you learn about the soul, vegetative soul, the animalistic soul, etc., you learn more and more how that all comes together. But for the sake of our conversation right now, we have to understand that we only exist because Hashem powers us. Now, if again, if you're looking at this circle, it's going to look like to the naked eye to us, oh, there's a clear separation. Hashem's over there creations over here. But this separation is illusionary, even though the separation and, and, and also, so I'm telling you it's illusionary. Why? Because this is what I learned. It's illusionary because to the naked eye, it looks like it's very real. That being said, even though it's not a real separation, and obviously to us, it looks like a real separation. It absolutely feels like a real separation, right? In every single one of us, we have a very real longing to want to go back to the source, to, to the source, to Hashem, beyond Simsum. And this desire for reconnection is embedded in each one of us. But many obviously interpret this feeling of lack chaser incorrectly. So Rav Dover Pinson actually really nicely states what people interpret this lack, this chaser, and what did he say? Okay, here we go. In this post-Simpsum world of ours, you may think that if you get what you desire, your desire will be quenched. The truth is, the above-mentioned desire will never be fully satisfied. There is a place within us that is truly post-Simpsum, is a place of unquenchable incompleteness. However, there is a purpose in this existential incompleteness, and that is to create a desire to reconnect with the place of completeness, which is the unity prior to Tzimtzum. So what exactly in us is post-Tzimtzum longing to connect to Hashem and where do we find the pre-Tzimtzum unity within us? So now we're going to have to go into a little bit of, you know, looking at the soul. Again, I have a diagram over here, thanks to Rabbi Aryeh Leibowitz, because he showed this to me when he was teaching it to me. So thank God I'm able to now show it to you. Okay, so before we go into the diagram, just, uh, you know, quick overview of the soul. The soul um, specifically located in the one in our body, right? In, in, in this physical dimension that we're on it, we're all in, let's say it's, we'll call it planet earth. We have a soul at, obviously we all have a soul, but the soul in this dimension, we call it the nefesh. The nefesh is comprised of five aspects, right? It's comprised of, um, there's nefesh again. So the lowest part of the nefesh soul that we have in our body is the nefesh. It's manifest in the liver and it, you know, it's in the form of, it's, uh, it takes on the form of action. The, the, it's, uh, this is called the vegetative force. Uh, basically, if you exist like a rock, this, it, it, this, it has this vegetative force. Then within us in humans, we also have ruach, which is manifest in the heart and it takes on speech. 
Um, this is called the animalistic force. The neshama, and remember this one, this is very important. This is where it's manifest in the brain. It's the intellectual force and um, it takes on thoughts, right? And then we have two more um, aspects in our soul in this physical realm that is not attributable it, it cannot be attributable on a human to a human organ let's say um or to uh, any humanness actually because it is like above the realm it is um it is basically beyond and those two are called chaya which rabbi kramer in anatomy of the soul um who obviously bases his teachings on the Arizal, calls this the life force. And this is where the soul is. This is the part of us, which is bound to all the other souls. And then we have the Yechida in us, which is unity. One is singular. And this part of us is still with Hashem. Um, if you want to think about it, the best, when I was discussing this with Rabbi um, um, Aryeh Leibowitz, I basically said, so this sounds like it's the nucleus of the soul and it's basically what it is, right? At this point, this nakuda in us, it's the inner point that is untouchable, which always remains pure and never gets susceptible to any form of impurity, right? This is the part. This is the part within us. It's buried deep in us. And this is also the part that the Tzvat Emet talks about when a person, when a Jew, God forbid, he doesn't act, you know, appropriately and he does, you know, horrible things, basically everything against the Torah throughout his life. There's still a part of him that is pure and um, redeemable. And this is the part we're talking about. It's the Yechida in the individual that's obviously covered, but it's untouchable. And it's, it's the part of the soul that can never become impure. It's the nucleus. Okay. So now in the nefesh realm, so right, if we're looking, okay, so you got a little bit of background on the soul, on the five aspects. And now I'm going to also show a picture over here. Um, it looks like, so this is it over here. If anyone is listening, it's basically, I have a picture of like a little teeny tiny X and it's basically off of that. It's showing the Yechida, Chaya, Neshama, Ruach, Nefesh. Okay. So, and then obviously it's in a heart because Hashem loves us wherever we're at. Okay. Anyway. So in the Nefesh realm, as you could see, we just spoke about the various aspects to us. It, it looks as if it could be so hard for the for the human experience to have these dichotomous reality, realities incongruous with one another, right? You have the pain of reality from the post-symptom in Nefesh, but then you have the tranquility of unity from pre-symptom in Yechida. Again, the reconciliation really only needs to be done on the Nefesh aspect because Yechida aspect only has unity and truth. It has no life qualms. It's perfect, right? Because that aspect is with Hashem. The separation, so then the question here is, okay, so how, nothing happens for no reason. So why does this basically dichotomy exist? And this is the reason why it exists. The separation must exist in Nefesh to catalyze the yearning for unity that will eventually lead to a reality of unity. So if we apply this to Tisha B'Av, right, we mourn the destruction of our temple, but yearn and pray for the redemption. At the same time, the he this healthy processing of loss is taking place on Tisha B'Av, we, within each, each one of us, has this 
deep knowledge and deep understanding than everything as it is, even in this world that we live in, is actually perfect, whole, redeemed, and unified. And every single person deals with these post-symptom, pre-symptom, you know, you know, on a practical level, you know, whatever situations people go through, everyone deals with these, um, again, going back to the three stages, right, of the, you know, having something, losing something, coming back stronger, right? Um, so everyone deals with this processing differently and at their own pace. But the most important thing to understand is during the processing, during the, you know, getting stronger, Hashem is always there. Gedalia just mentioned it in his class, and it's so good that he mentioned it because it specifically remi reminded me to bring this point in this class. Whenever the symptom happens, it's never an abandonment of Hashem, God forbid. It's always just a concealment, but Hashem is always there. And Rav Dover Pinson elaborates beautifully on this idea. And what does he say? On Tisha B'Av, we work to embrace the chaser, the void in our lives, and the things we need that are missing. We embrace the chorbanos, destruction of both temples, as well as those in our personal lives. When we do so, we can discover that Hashem is present in the destruction, just as in creation, in tears, just as in joy, in the unclean, just as in the just as in clean, in the ugly, just as in the beautiful. Hashem is present even in the death of a loved one, in hardships, in relationship problems, in fear and in anxiety. Hashem is always there with you, no matter where there is. Again, Hashem is there for the fall. Hashem is there for the rise. And the fall that we are all collectively experiencing now is Tisha B'Av. But what is the rise that we are all going to collectively, God willing, experience in just a few days? Just six days from Tisha B'Av. Of course, it's Tu B'Av. We take all the energy from the separation and sadness from Tisha B'Av, process it, channel it into a positive direction, which is effectively rectifying and elevating what we were originally mourning, right? Of course, the sinasthina, the destruction, right? Seeing everything through the lens of an amuna in order to make way for an even greater unification with Hashem and one, and one another, which is exactly what Tuba'av is all about. A day of divine and human connection, which is obviously not coincidental not coincidental, since Tuba'av, as Rabdov Verpinson states, is the day when the divine desire was aroused to create a world, to create relationship with another. For this reason, it is a day of forging the deepest bonds and uniting with another person. Now, in the beginning of the class, I mentioned that our relationships with ourselves and which other dictate relationships we have with Hashem. And there's a fast pass to this, right? Um, even and yes, even with the fast pass, by the way, it's still earning. It's still earning it. I'm not saying like, oh, you know, you just, you know, when I say fast pass, it's not. It's not like you do absolutely nothing to earn it. No, you still earn it. But there's, there's, and where am I going with this? Of course, learning Torah, Torah you know, keeping halacha, keeping mitzvot is imperative for strengthening our relationship with Hashem. If you actually look at the source, what is mitzvah connection, right? Halacha to go. So all Hashem basically gave us, he gifted us the Torah, basically a blueprint for winning life. I've said this before. 
Um, but not, but there's actually no but. Hashem gifted the Jews the Torah. Maybe, or possibly, and there could be, that maybe not every single Jew is at a level where they're like, you know what? You know, I'm just going to take on all the mitzvot. That being said, every Jew, every single Jew, doesn't matter where you are on, you know, on observance, every single Jew has access to heat bodedut. It can be done by any individual at any level. And all we, and obviously I've said this before and I'll say it again, Heat Bodadud is having the conversation with Hashem in your own words, where we have essentially three aspects, gratitude, cheshbon um, and nefesh, and personal requests. Okay, so if we look at it, gratitude, and Rabbi Rush says that gratitude is above prayer because it builds perfect vessels. Cheshbon hanefesh, it helps you narrow in on the midot in some work that needs to be done, you know, refining the midot, the work that needs to be done, letting go of any negative emotions. And so that in itself is incredible. So you have the hoda'ah for Hashem, which builds vessels and, you know, essentially grants salvation. Then you have the cheshbon and nefesh. So you're refining your character. You're working on yourself. You're getting rid of the schmutz that you, you know, the schmutz, the emotional baggage that you carry everywhere. And then you have the requests. And the requests, by the way, are not only for yourself. The requests are for Kali Israel, for the nation. And when you talk about tzedakah, prayer can also be tzedakah, especially when you're praying for someone else, for your brother and sister for your brothers and sisters. So you have all this going on in Heat Bode Dude. And what, is this all ultimate, what does this all ultimately do? It helps expand your vessel. You can receive divine light. Also, as a side note, when you do Heat Bode Dude, it will lead you to Torah and Mitzvot, which obviously, obviously expands your vessel. So on a soul level, how does this happen? And this is also what I gained um, from my, um, uh, dis- uh, from actually my sheer essentially with Rabbi Aryeh Leibowitz. So looking back at this diagram, again, those who are listening, um, you could always text me, message me if you want me to send you a picture of essentially what I, what I drew up over here. Um, we mentioned before in this world dimension, we are operating in the nefesh realm, right? Above that realm is Ruach. So I'm talking about, so I'm talking about, when I'm talking about different realms, there are five aspects in each realm, but each realm is its own separate, uh, so to say, category. So we have the nefesh realm, which is here on this planet Earth. Then the next realm is ruach. Then the one after that is neshama. Then the one after that is chaya. And the one after that is zechida. For our current discussion, we are focusing on nefesh, ruach, and neshama. And there's a reason why we're focusing on that. They obviously uh, play key roles. Again, all these five realms, Hashem gifted to us um, when he created us. And obviously all of this, all these realms are obviously sourced back to Hashem. It's back, all of this is sourced back to Or Sof, to Hashem, infinite light. So essentially our goal in this world, and if we're looking over here, this is a teeny tiny, small um, like a little, like a, it looks like an X, but this is the small neshama that we are born, um, we are born with, right? So our goal in this world is to get our nefesh, which is small when we're born, to expand to our brilliant neshama, which is right over here, right? This, when you go from the small nefesh and you bring down 
the brilliance of the neshama into you in the nefesh realm to essentially become the same size and the same level as your neshama, that is called self-actualization. We do this by way of a pipe over here, which is the ruach realm. So again, and Rabbi Arya Leibowitz mentions this in his book, it looks like everything is separate. It looks like there's a bifurcation. It's all connected. It's just in our human ability to understand. I'm explaining it this way, but everything is actually connected. So Nefesh has a pipe that is the Ruach, and it connects to the Neshama. The question is, how do we get our Nefesh to essentially be brilliant like our Neshama? The spirituality is already there. The apparatus, so to say, in order to take this reservoir of spirituality and divinity and push it down into nefesh is already there. But it is up to us for us to expand our vessels because we cannot get our neshama holiness, kedusha, into the nefesh if our vessel, if our body, if our actions, if our midot, if our learning is not holy and ready for this brilliance of divinity, right? So, um, as you can see, obviously, um, we have incredible potential. And also something to, important to note is um, this step from the neshama to the nefesh. Oh, on a picture, this looks like it's no big deal, right? Like big deal. Oh, it just goes through the little pipe of ruach and then it becomes neshama. Oh, that's a tiny little step. No, to get from nefesh, to get our nefesh to be brilliant and illuminated like our neshama is like quantum leaps and a lot of work. In fact, Rabbi Arya Leibowitz um, um, gave me the medrash. Um, he explained that when Yaakov Avinu passed away, um, the angels, when they were going back and forth between the two realms, they couldn't tell the difference between his body, nefesh, and his neshama, because Ava, Yaakov Avinu was so great that he perfected himself that it was one and the same. So we're talking about like Avo level of, uh, you know, of illumination, basically, which every single one of us is basically able to strive for, at least strive for, right? So we are souls. What does this all teach us? We are souls. We are not our bodies. The apparatus, so to say, is there. We have incredible spirituality, although in different dimensions, but it's already there waiting to be activated and earned. So Bezrat Hashem in the suit of Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Avinu, and all the great Sadiqim and Shemaim, may this Tisha B'Av be transformed from a time of mourning to great celebration where all illusionary separation is elevated to revealed unity. May Mashiach come b'shalom. May Klal Yisrael be redeemed b'shalom. May the final Beit Hamikdash be built b'shalom. Ben Hera b'amenu amein Sela. Thank you.